Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is churches without buildings. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so Central is in the midst of trying to figure out where it wants to go with this historic building. Some things mm-hmm. need to be done. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking about that old standby line about a church is the people and not the building, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm kind of curious what a church without a building would look like or what does it mean? And then as another side part of that, what do churches look like today? Because most of the buildings are, what, 50, 60 years old, generally, and then you get the super old ones that are 100 and 150 years old. I think the needs of people who go to churches have kind of changed over the years. And I'm curious what you think a usable church building would look like today if you were to build one from scratch. So which of these would you like to tackle first? (laughs) These are all great questions. And I first want to put out just that these are great questions that I think a lot of people are thinking about, not just those of us at Central Lutheran Church. These are the kinds of questions that people are wrestling with all over the United States. Mm -hmm. And you really did kind of center ourselves in the United States when you asked this question. And even I would I would pose that you kind of located yourself very much in the Pacific Northwest when you said church buildings being, what, 50, 60 years old, maybe the old ones are 100 to 150 years old. Sure, sure, sure. When I think back to my East Coast upbringing and like the house I was raised in was 150 years old, much less the churches in town, their buildings were 150, 200 years old. If we were to go to Europe, that's a baby church, right? Oh. Yeah. So we're definitely looking at North American churches. We're definitely looking at Pacific Northwest buildings as we're talking about these things. Our building is 70 years old. And we're looking at these kinds of conversations in general. I want to put out very clearly that Central Lutheran is in the midst of really big conversations about this. We have a transformational discernment team doing incredible work and There are amazing lay members who are doing astonishing conversations right now. I am not going to be speaking for the TDT right now. The things that I am saying are not coming out of that work. I am speaking on kind of a general level. I'm speaking at a kind of meta level, Mm -hmm. big picture across the country, kind of bigger stuff, not specific site specific kind of conversation. And I want to put that out there because I don't want someone from Central to be like, oh, well, Pastor Amanda said that we should. Mm -mm. Each congregation, when it comes to buildings, when it comes to places of worship, every congregation is going to have a different need. Mm -hmm. And every gathering site is going to have a different kind of idea of what they need. I think you're right that what was imagined... 70 years ago, what was imagined in 1950 of what would be needed now in 2020 is vastly different and completely different than what was imagined in 1950. And it's not that those who were building and imagining in 1950 didn't have beautiful hearts and incredible imaginations. 
It's that the world has changed so dramatically quickly. Oh, absolutely. Right. Nobody would predict what a cell phone would have done for people's lives from the 50s. Exactly. Like the advent of computer technology and the arrival of the technical pieces of how much we have integrated that technology into our daily lives and the way in which the audio and visual presentations have changed and what that means for the ways in which we create our worship spaces, that alone completely shifts and changes the way that architecture is being created now for gathering spaces. Mm -hmm. And you can see that if you look in an older cathedral, I'm talking like centuries old cathedral, it is built in such a way that it is going to capture light, not have light brought in because they weren't working with electrical light. They nope. were working with natural light. And so the architecture was created in such a way to bring in natural light. It was created in such a way to create reverberation so that the acoustics were created for the natural voice to carry. Sure. Those kinds of things were created within the architecture in order for natural light and natural voice to carry and illuminate. Contemporary architecture relies upon electricity to do that work for it. So now when we have these buildings that are this halfway point, which is what we have in these 1950 buildings, where we still have some natural light coming in through stained glass and through windows that were kind of there, but not completely capturing the natural light because there is some electricity bringing in the light. So mm -hmm. it's like this mix of a halfway thing. And then you have a sound system or acoustics that were going to be kind of maybe enhanced with an old sound system from the 1950s or 60s, but it's not the kind of sound systems we have now. And so there was some natural acoustics considered, but not great natural acoustics or over time people got rid of the asbestos tile. So they've put down carpet. Sure. So we've lost some of that natural acoustic or they've covered the pews. So you lose all that resonant space on the pews or there's just fewer people in the room. So you've lost the sound of the voices. So all the acoustics have completely changed. So now you really need audio enhanced all these things come into play and the spaces don't match the need anymore. And they aren't created in such a way that the modern technology can function effectively, nor are they created in such a way that being completely without technology, they can function adequately. So we're just in this liminal space of awkward. That's a long rambly answer, but we were told in our worship class in seminary, architecture always wins. Oh, how so? In that sense that if your sound system can't work because your sanctuary has dead spots that the speakers don't reach, your architecture is going to win. And people aren't going to attend because they can't hear. Mm -hmm. Okay, architecture always wins. Let's get into some specifics. 
I know in your typical 1950s building, you're going to have a huge education wing mm-hmm. and a choir room and kitchen and the mm-hmm. church basement, as our namesake says. Mm-hmm. And in the 50s and 60s, those were being used very differently than they are now. Absolutely. Let's get to my hypothetical question that if you were to build a church today for some place, what would you want to have in it? What would you earmark as this is indispensable? I think one of the pieces that churches in the modern context really have the opportunity to ponder and consider is the opportunity if we were building for today's modern context is instead of being a community gathering space, which is in the 1950s, what was being created, right? Mm -hmm. This space for everyone to come and gather together on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Right now, neighborhoods are in need less of that because calendars are filled with other things, but neighborhoods need affordable housing. Neighborhoods need opportunities for shelter and access to laundry services, those kinds of things. And so I think that it is less about what does a church need and more about what does a neighborhood need. And churches have a unique opportunity to come into an area where they want to be serving and say, what does the neighborhood need? And listen to a neighborhood and say, we are longing to build a facility to be Jesus in this neighborhood. What do you need from Jesus in this neighborhood? And then to listen and find out what a neighborhood needs from Jesus. Interesting. And then try to figure out how to be that. And if that is a space for music education, then that's a space for music education. If that's a space for gathering for anonymous meetings, then that's a space for gathering for anonymous meetings. If that is a space for feeding programs, that's a space for feeding programs, right? There's a whole host of different ways that that can show up and that that can be. It could be a community kitchen. It could be affordable housing. It could be a restaurant that doesn't serve alcohol. It could be free Wi-Fi available at all hours. There's no telling what it could be for any given neighborhood because each neighborhood is going to have a different need depending upon a demographic or depending upon a location. But if the call of the church, if the call of followers of Jesus is to be Jesus within a place, and if the role of stewarding a piece of property is to bring Jesus to a piece of property, then our call is to figure out how we can be followers of Jesus in stewarding a piece of property. And so if we can come into a neighborhood and say, how can we best represent Jesus to this neighborhood and be Jesus within this neighborhood, then we need to be asking the neighborhood what is needed. And maybe that is offices, maybe that is a choir room. But in 2023, in a world that is being racked by climate disaster and struggling with issues of racism and classism and all the different pieces that we're really struggling with right now, it is very difficult to imagine how 15 Sunday school rooms is the answer 
to being the best form of Jesus within any given neighborhood. Well, and how that change in some ways will sneak up on you, because these changes that a neighborhood needs never happen overnight, not Mm -hmm. even COVID withstanding. It was still a three-year process that is continuing on today. Right. So being able to stay on track with catching up with those needs and figuring out what they are is its own daunting proposition. Always. Always. And a challenge and the difficulty and very hard to do when you haven't done it that way in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's okay because it's just then the invitation to try a different way. It's an invitation to be in a different way. And it's not that these things were wrong or bad because at a time, in a specific time, that was the answer, right? Mm -hmm. In 1950, that was the answer of what was needed in the neighborhood because there weren't great big soccer leagues that were taking time, right? Like Mm -hmm. the amount of opportunities for kids to be doing all the activities that kids are doing now and the expectations for the extracurricular activities that kids have to do now in order to go to college, in order to have hope of getting a scholarship, right? Like those kinds of things were not the same as they are now. And so the expectations when this building was built or when many of the buildings that we're talking about were built were vastly different. Oh, yeah. Right down to your quilting bees, because you had a lot of women who were staying home with their kids. Absolutely. And so these kinds of opportunities, it's just a different time. So it's not moral judgment on the past. It's not a moral judgment on the way buildings have been built. It's simply a recognition that what has been is not what is now. And how we look at what will be and recognizing how vastly things have been changing, that the likelihood that things will rapidly change just as fast in the next 70 years, Mm -hmm. then how can we set the next generations up more effectively than we were set up and create a space or a place to be the people of Jesus with more flexibility and more stability for their flexibility, if that makes sense. I think that that's the other thing about our current facilities and our current buildings is that all across the country, we're seeing how these facilities don't necessarily allow for incredible flexibility. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are being called for enormous flexibility right now. And the buildings make that very hard. And so... It would be lovely to set up the future to have more flexibility. Okay. Now, how about my question about if the church is not the building, it's the people. Mm -hmm. What would a church with no building look like? Well, here's the thing. There are multiple congregations here in the area even who don't own a facility, but who are still a congregation that gather together regularly on Sunday mornings in a building. Mm -hmm. They just don't own their own building. They use other people's buildings because there are plenty of facilities that aren't in. And this, again, I'm sure would hold up. I just know in our area, a 
of multiple that are already doing this. I assume that there are multiple around the country doing this, that there are congregations who are leaving behind uh, the way that one person from Metropolitan Community Church, which is one of the congregations doing this, she said, we will never invest in bricks and sticks again. Ah, Right. She said, we are about our mission. We are about our ministry. We will never invest in bricks and sticks again. We will pay for a place to meet, but we are not pouring our resources into bricks and sticks alone. Why do you think that is such a scary proposition for so many congregations? Because sacred places <sighs> sure. are sacred, <laughs> right? Why did the entire world watch when Notre Dame was on fire? Mm -hmm. Because it is sacred, Right? I mean, it doesn't matter whether or not it is logical. Our hearts are involved. Sure. And that's the truth of it. No matter what Central decides, my heart has woven itself into the sacred sanctuary in that building. And it has held my tears. And I don't cry often. And it has held my tears. And to release that... Or to step away from that would be very, very hard. And I know how much it would cost to keep it, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know the physical cost, the mental cost, the spiritual cost. I have an idea of what it will cost to fix the stained glass wall that currently has dry rot in it. I have an idea of the kind of work it will take for that repair to happen. And still my heart aches to think of not being there. And so it's not that these things are logical choices that we make. These are heart and soul choices. And so it's difficult conversation and it's emotional conversation. And so we hold it all. We have to hold all of this together. There is strategic and there is logic and there is this deep sacred wondering of what do we do and how do we do this and the church is the people and the ministry is how we can do what Jesus calls us to do for the people of God and that requires no building sometimes and sometimes we can use the building to do the best work for Jesus ever and each day we just do the best we can do with whatever we are gifted. It's a fascinating discussion. And I'm kind of stuck on the possibilities of what a congregation could do if it didn't have to solely worry about keeping their own lights on and keeping the building standing and what they could do taking all of that energy, all the resources and put it towards, you know, doing good in this world. It's exciting mm -hmm. to think about. It can be very exciting to think about. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Mm -hmm. Does this idea of a church without a building seem daunting or freeing to you personally? Yes. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> All of it, right? It's, it is a both and. And I think, isn't that the core of the Lutheran faith? Yeah, pretty much. For things to be both and. So, who knows? I think for those who are already walking that path, it took them a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. It took them years of work to get there. Excellent. 
Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about churches without buildings. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us and for listening along. If you know a congregation in this kind of a process, please keep them in your prayers. This is a long and arduous journey, and yet one filled with hope and potentially full of incredible joy. So keep us all in your prayers. And if you have an idea for a podcast topic or a question for us, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org or reach out on our Facebook page. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.